got our last two core values, core value number nine and 10. If you've missed any weeks, you can go on to Spotify, uh, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, <clears throat> our website, and you can catch up through the I Love My Church series of all the other different core values that we hold near and dear to our heart here at the church, the things that make us tick, the things that make us who we are. And what we desire and what we drive to be as a church and as individual Christians. Um, and so we've been using this uh, scripture as kind of like the basis, the foundation for this series. It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is really, and I've said this every week, it's the call of the church to seek and save the lost, right? We've all been far from God at some point in our life. Maybe uh, you came this morning and you didn't really know what to expect. Maybe you are feeling away from God. Maybe you haven't felt connected to him. Then you understand that how important it is when you feel lost or when you feel far away from close to, how important it is to then be reconnected. And so our our heart and our desire as a church and as people of God is to continually show people you were designed and created to be in relationship with Jesus. You were designed and created to have a purpose. You weren't just designed to, to you know, go through life, wake up, go to uh, do your job, go to bed, and do it all over again every day until you stop breathing. That, that's not living. That's just taking up space here on earth. And, and I really believe that every single person has been called to live a life of purpose. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, everybody's gonna know your name or, or you know, everybody's gonna know who you are. You've done something you know, amazing like you know, created the you know, cure for cancer or something like that. It just means that you have an opportunity within the world that we live in. And you can, you can say, I'm either going to interact with people in a way that it changes the world that I engage with every single time or you're gonna allow other people to change you. We are to point people to a loving relationship with Jesus that changes the world around them. And we do that, we try to do that every week here at Freedom Church. We, you know, and it's on the flags. We will talk about it a lot. We exist to point people to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's our whole goal. It's not, you know, it's, listen, if we, if we get big in the process, that's one thing. If we, you know, if we, if we do these other things, that's awesome. But here's the deal. I want to take somebody who is, who is far from God, and I want to connect them to Jesus. And when they get connected to Jesus, I want to show them that they have a purpose. And that they, they don't have to hold on to the, the things of the past. They don't have to hold on to the struggles of their life, the things that they went through, that they can find freedom in that. And that then within them, they all have a, a purpose. You all carry a gift or gifts inside of you that, that are supposed to be connected to the church, supposed to be connected to the world and help people then turn around and point people back to Jesus. That is the cycle of what a healthy church and a healthy Christian does. And so um, our last two uh, core values are the, the two that I'm gonna talk about this morning are we pursue excellence and we have fun. And it's funny because you would think that the last one is just kind of like a, a, okay, cool, whatever. It is like the one that most people have like a little bit of struggle with. Uh, and we're going to talk about why church should have fun and why Christians should have fun, okay? So no, the first one is this. We pursue excellence. Now, I want you all to understand this very quickly, that this is not perfection. There is a huge difference between excellence and perfection, because how many times have you been tripped up with not wanting to do something because the fear of not being able to be perfect at it, right? 
Maybe I'm the only only one. I don't want to start. A, I don't want to. I don't want to pick up a hobby. I don't want to try something because I'm afraid. What if I suck? And what if people see that I suck? Like I don't want that. So I, you know, especially you, you, you OCD. Like you know, everything's got to be right in a, in a perfect place, and you got to be. It, it, there is no. There is no learning. There's just I've got to be able to do. <laughs> you know, I, I've never understood you people. Um, you know, it's like you, you expect to be able to do it the first time right away. It's like, no, there's a learning process. So excellence has nothing to do with perfection. Excellence has to do with the way you do something, not what you do. It's the way you do it. It's, it's the mindset, the, the heartbeat behind it. This is, this is the attitude of giving God our best even when it's hard, even when it doesn't feel like enough even when you feel like you're going to screw it up, is giving God your best despite the fact that you know or maybe you feel that you're not going to do it right the first time. That's okay. I don't know too many people that just jumped on a bike and started pedaling the first time. Like, that would be pretty insane if, you, you know, you're, I don't know how old kids are. Our kids were a little older because we, you know, lived on a busy street. But, uh, you know, they jump on a, on a bike and they've got the training wheels and they're that, you know, no parent ever puts the training wheels on properly all the way. So they got that little wobble to it. So your kid's already on a, on a disadvantage because your, your kid's like thinking, oh, this is how a bike's supposed to feel, you know, rocking back and forth. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, the dad comes along because it's never the mom that's like, get that kid off training wheels and get him on a bike. It's always the dad. It's like, he's been riding for two minutes. Get it off. Let's go. Um, and so they take the training wheels off. And I, I can teach a lot of things. I've come to find out riding a bike is not one of them. <laughs> like, so frustrating. Uh, we had, um, when Zion was learning how to ride a bike, we had our buddy, um, Eddie Satin. He's actually one of my really good friends and, and, and one of the ones that uh, was a big part of the process talking through launching this church. And uh, he, he would come down for summer camp. And so he, we, we were, he had this little, uh, I think it was a Jeep bi- uh, bike. And, and so we're sitting there. I don't know what we were thinking. We just got back from camp. And we're like, I think our kid needs to learn how to ride without training wheels. Like, so let's go do that in the front yard. And, and so I'm trying and trying. And he's just not getting it. And, and I'm just like, I'm done. I've got to walk away. I obviously don't know how to teach this. Because I was getting real frustrated, and I was like, I don't need to show off in front of my friend like this. And so I just walked away, and the next thing I know, it's like a few moments later, Eddie's like, you know, running with Zion, and let's go. And I'm like, well, whatever, you suck. Um, and, and, he, and, he's, and he didn't get it, but he got it. You know, he was starting the process. And, and that's the reality. Sometimes it's not about whether we've done it right. It's the heart behind how we've done it. So many times we think, well, what if I fail? What if, what if you fail? The, and I talked about this last week about the what ifs. The what ifs will hold us back from doing the purpose of God in our lives. Well, what if they don't accept my invitation to church? Here's a bet. What if they do? What, what if they're walking through something and I want to pray for them, but I don't have the right words? What if just the simple thought of you wanting to pray for them is the very thing that breaks inside of them the core things that God wants to do? We think that, you know, oh, I don't, I don't have flowery words and... Paul said it this way in the, in, in the New Testament. He said, I don't come to you with flowery words. I come to you with simple truths. And so if you can just pray a prayer of simple truth, you've got inside of you what God wants. I think it's funny that people go, well, I can't pray because, you know, I, I can't lead prayers. I, I, I can't talk on a mic. I think heaven's going to be really odd for you if you don't start to learn now. 
like worship and prayer, like the things that we consider awkward, and they are a little bit. Listen, I ain't gonna lie. Going to church for the first time or the first handful of times, and everything's facing this way, and we're singing to a God we don't see, and if, if you're not a Christian, you, you don't feel him yet, really. Um, you may, you, or not, may not know that you felt him in your life. And, and so you, you, you go through these motions, you're like, why are they, who are they raising their hands to? Like when we're worshiping, like, who, who, what are they doing? But listen, it's really interesting because think about, think about this. Go, put yourself at a concert. How many people at a concert will stand there the whole time with, well, now it's annoying because it's video, it's phones. Can I just tell you that drives me insane? Like, I paid $80 to watch this uh, concert through a two-inch box. You know, um, just a pet peeve of mine. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I, now, I record little snippets. I'll do like 30 seconds. But like, they, listen, I can't worship him. Uh, but you'll sit there and you'll hold your phone up. Or, or if, the, if the artist goes, everybody put your hands up. And, you know, you're doing this. Or you got your little, uh, now it's not lighters. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, cell phones once again, right? You know, the little light of mine. You know, you're waving it back and forth. Or literally worshiping. You will see people at concerts literally standing there like this. Because inside of them, it is innate in us to, to worship something and to give ourselves to something. I mean, you see those videos of Michael Jackson and, and, the, and the girls just literally fainting. Like, I don't know if there's anybody in this world that I could meet that would make me want to faint. Not one person. Like, just, it, it, just beyond my thought process of another, another human being making me lose my stuff so much that I literally go blank. Um, and so, and so, but, but that's how it is. Why? Because people were created to worship and to be connected to something greater and bigger than themselves. And that's excellence. It's not perfection. And when we give our excellence to God and we, we do what we can to, to show him off, the world is better for it. I want to read second Peter one, three through 11 says this. It's got such, if there's a lot of truth in this, we're only going to pick out a few things, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Second Peter one, three through 11. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So I'll stop right there real quick, and I want to let you know something. This line right here in the Bible is so important to the Christian faith. Because when you say, I don't have it in me, you're, you're right. You alone don't have it in you to face everything that you're going to face in life. But God says he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He has given you the connection to the source of everything that you will ever need to walk through life. The hardest moment of your life, God already knows what's going to happen, and he has prepared a source to connection to him so that you can walk through it. I think of my friends Erica and uh, um, the Carnes, uh, Jeff, and when they lost their uh, middle child to, uh, to suicide, and, and I was there on scene. I was, I was uh, one of the handful of people like right on scene at, at this uh, tragedy. And one, it was the first time where I've actually had to witness somebody be given the news that somebody uh, was dead. And it was, it was heart-wrenching. We didn't really know them that well. Their kids had just started coming to youth group for like the last year. We didn't really know them all that well. And when I watched them walk through this tragedy, and I think to myself, having two kids, like, how would I walk through such a tragedy like this? How, how could you wake up in the morning and, and, and go throughout your, your day-to-day life? And, and I remember about a few months into them through this 
tragedy, I looked at Erica and I said, Erica, I am amazed at how well y'all have been able to walk through this. And she looked at me and she said, Scott, I am amazed that I'm not a puddle of a mess on the floor because that's what I expected to be. She goes, but there's something about it. She goes, listen, life is still really, really hard. Life sucks. She wakes, you know, she would wake up crying and, and obviously all the things that we would expect. But she goes, I'm able to, to, to walk through life because of God's goodness and the people of God in my life. I'm able to pick up the pieces and continue to move forward and not just stop. And that is what is so powerful and important about God and God's people is that when we're walking through tragedy, it's not that you have to have it all together. It's that you have to know where the source is to keep going on in life. It doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't even have to look completely functional, but just keep moving. And he says, you've got everything you need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So we have to respond to the promises and the, and, and the life that God gives us. And he says this, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patience and patient endurance, patient endurance with uh, godliness Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among uh, those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, um, super kind of long set of scripture, but there's a couple of things that I want you to point that, that I want to point out as far as it comes to excellence. And the first one I kind of gave you, which was this, was just a, the idea that He has given you everything you need, no matter what the, the the circumstance, the good circumstances, the bad circumstances, the circumstances you don't even know you can face. I, I think it's interesting because, and I, I want to do a whole message on this, um, where you know things that you things that are not in the Bible. Because, you know, we, we hear things like this. How many have ever heard this? Well, God won't give me more than I can handle. That's a lie. Yes, he will. All the time. I, on my own accord, without Jesus, could not handle starting a church. I'd hurt people. And I'd probably run away quickly. Like, this, this was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, absolutely hardest thing I've ever done in my life is to, to leave the, un, the, the known, move to the unknown, and then go, hey, who wants to start a church that is completely opposite of most churches in Camden? <laughs> Nobody? You're from California. No, I'm not. By the way, I still have to have that argument with people. They're like, you're from California. I'm like, those are fighting words, Okay. I'm not from California. I just moved from there, okay? I am from Texas. There is a difference, okay? Hmm. But you've lived in California most of your life. Shut up. We'll fight. It was hard. And then once we felt like we got our footing, 
it was like, hey, let's try something new. It's called COVID. And it ruined everything. And here's the thing. If it was on my own, I probably would have done this when COVID hit. Well, this was a good try. Let's go home. If you don't, listen, and, and, and maybe this is probably not something the pastor should say, but I've told you I'm very transparent with how I think in, in, in my life. Here's the reality. is If you think that there wasn't a time during the COVID phase where we were losing people left and right because people were afraid to get inside of a building, if you don't think that it never crossed my mind that, dang, I could get on staff at a church and be completely happy and stress-free, you are lying to yourself. Absolutely thought, well, this was a good college try. I'll go find another church where I can just sit back and be a youth pastor because I can do that with my eyes closed. But you know what? Here's the thing. That would be the easy thing. That wouldn't be the excellent thing. And a lot of times we choose easy over excellence because excellence demands something of us. It demands us to try. It demands us to stand up and to give our best to something that may be hard, it may be tough, we may, be, we may fall forward, we may fall flat on our face, we may not like it, it may be uncomfortable, but when we give our best to God, there are promises that are always attached to it. And he says, listen, if you will do these things, if you will supplement your faith with moral excellence, with knowledge, with self-control, with patient endurance, with godliness, with brotherly affection, and if you will just love everybody, you don't have to like them all, but if you'll just love them all, like, I don't even understand that. Listen, some people just need to be loved from afar. Amen? It's okay to amen that. Like, some of y'all are like, that sounds bad. No, it's not. There are some people that you need to keep at an arm's distance and go, I hope you find Jesus. Sometimes you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I hope you find Jesus. <laughs> so, so, but excellence says, I'm not just going to sit on what is good enough because the enemy of good, or the enemy of great is good. Well, I'm good enough. God, look at how far you brought me. And he goes, I know there's more. Ah, give your best to Jesus. Excellence pushes us and drives us. And I love what it says. If you do these things, you'll never fall away. People will go, people will go oh, well, I've seen people fall away from Jesus all the time. It's because they stopped living excellent lives. And they got comfortable in their faith. You want to know how to never walk away from Jesus? It's not being perfect. <laughs> That's, that doesn't exist, except for Jesus. How do you not fall away from God? How do you enjoy being a Christian? How do you love going to church? If you will put to practice these things in 2 Peter, and you just do them faithfully. I'm going to faithfully love God. I'm going to faithfully love people. I'm going to faithfully have self-control. <laughs> I'm going to faithfully... Uh, act with godliness. I'm not going to say those words to them just because I can. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to use excellence and knowledge and patient endurance. And I'm going to put these into place. It says, if you do these things, you will never fall away. Now, what I love also about this is that it says that the more you grow, the more productive and useful you will be. So when we start out as, 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 as young Christians, not in age, but in faith, there, there are things that, you know, we get excited about, but God's going, if you just, if you walk with me a little bit, if you learn a little bit, those that are in the trades, and, and, and we have quite a few uh, tradesmen in here, what you can do now is a lot different than day one, right? I mean, think about that. 
Well, I, I love this thought process about trades is, is and, and I think even me and Eric have talked about this with, with, with plumbing, is that the, the people that have been doing it a long time, it's, you're not paying for the job itself. You're paying for the knowledge of the 15 to 20 years that that person has put into it to make them good at what they do to get, like, well, they only did it in 15 minutes. Okay, so would you rather them take two hours just so you feel like you got your money's worth? It's like you were in and out of here in 15 minutes. Well, yeah, 15 years of experience says I don't need to be here longer than that. Well, then I'm not paying you that much. Okay, I'll sit here for the next hour and 45 minutes so that you feel like you got your money's worth. Think about that. Why, why can and why will we pay tradesmen and, and people a certain uh, amount of money if they do a good job? It's because they are excellent. That's not the perfect They'll make mistakes. There's times where they'll have to go back and do the job a second time or refix something. But there's an excellence attached to their work. And what they're paid is attached to the excellence and the time that they've invested in studying. And, and with Christianity, we just go, well, I go to church. I'm good. No, I'm telling you, if you want the excellent life of God, then you've got to put in the work. And you've got to be willing to do the hard things. And you've got to be willing to challenge yourself in your faith and say, hey, what can I do today that maybe I wasn't doing yesterday? Maybe I'll pray a little bit longer. Maybe I'll read a little bit more. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get committed to a devotion. Maybe I'll jump into a life group, and I've never done that. And so maybe I'll commit to a life group where I'll get around good Christian people and, and grow there. We pursue what God is. We pursue what God, God is love and God is excellence. And so we pursue what God is, and God is that. And so we are chasing the nature and the character of the one we love. That's what I love about God is that we're not trying to show off for him. We're literally falling in love with him. And because of that, it's changing us. I can attest as a guy that's almost uh, been married for 20 years. Uh, this coming year will be 20 years for me and Stephanie. We got married when we were two. Um, we're just, it feels really old when I, I have to like, I feel like I have to. Like when I say I've been married for 20 years, I'm like, oh my God, what am I like 80? Um, it just feels like really, really old. But, but as a guy, she has made me better. And, and I would hope that any man in this room that is married would be smart enough to say, absolutely, my wife has made me a better version of myself than I could ever dream or imagine. Why? Because innate in us is not to care. I am a jeans and a t-shirt guy. Only reason why I have button-ups, my wife. Sweaters, my wife. Some of them I get made fun of because they're a little too girly, so I don't wear them. Thanks, wife. I finally had to actually tell her one, one and I felt really bad about it because like for every Christmas, it, I was like her personal Ken doll. It was like, what can I buy him to make him, you know, I don't get socks and underwear. I get sweaters and button-ups. Um, and so as I finally told her, I said, hey, um, it's not that I don't love the sweaters and button-ups. I'll wear them. Totally don't care. I would love a t-shirt every now and then. That's what I choose. But the point is this, is that I become a better man because of the woman behind me. And vice versa, my wife is a better woman because of, of who I am. I, I draw and challenge her in things. And every relationship, it's no different. 
God is no different in that relationship. When we choose to truly fall in love with Jesus and not just go to church, two different things, but when we truly say, I'm going to follow Jesus, there is something in him that totally makes us want to be better, totally wants to, to challenge us to how we speak and how we move and how we act and how we interact with people. God's character absolutely wants to change us. Excellence uses addition and multiplication. We are adding things to our faith, right? We're supplementing those things that he tells us to, the excellent uh, uh, moral excellence, the knowledge, the patience, the brotherly affection. We're adding things to our faith. It's the tools in the tool belt. I'm going to tell a story about the very first time that I got into trades work. Um, I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, my, my pastor, my, my youth pastor, uh, who I was uh, working with, he said, hey, I can get you a job doing HVAC. I'm like, Psh, cool, I know nothing. Let's go. Probably pays pretty well. And so at first they wanted to put me on the houses where we actually like put the gutters on. And I was like, I'm afraid of heights. That, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's like, these guys are nuts. Like if you ever watch, and I know in the South, like gutters are optional. In California, they're not. And so they're on every house. And so when you like, when you go to track homes and you see them, like these guys are like literally like hanging over the edge of homes, like, you know, nailing things in. I'm like, nah, cool. Like, can I put the gutter on from the middle of the house? How's that work? And they're like, well, you're not going to be able to do outside work. I'm like, you dang skippy, we ain't going to be able to do that. I said, we got to find somewhere else. So they put me on what they call, uh, uh, you know, the final work. I'm putting in all the grates for the HVAC stuff. I'm helping run all the runs and, and put the downspouts on and all that stuff. And I remember I hadn't bought my own tools yet, so I was using my youth pastor, my boss. He was my main boss there. Uh, I was using one of his drills. Now, mind you, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't use a whole lot of uh, drills before I was 18 or 19. I wasn't very, I was handy, but I wasn't handy handy. You know, I didn't have like my own stuff. And I was on a ladder and I dropped this drill. And I was like, okay, so I get down the ladder, I pick it up. It won't work. Oh, crap. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, oh, I bet you this thing's expensive. Oh, man. I'm like dreading. I'm like, okay, I got to finish this job. How am I, like, the, the drill won't work. And I'm like freaking out. So I call him on his phone and I'm like, yo, PD, you got to come. Um, I, I broke your drill. And he's like, you what? I'm like, I broke your drill. So he has to get off of the job he's doing, get in his car, drive over to the job I'm on. And he gets out and he walks up and he literally does this. He grabs the drill, smiles, click, walks away. <sighs> well... And I'll tell you, if you ever meet him, he will never let me live that down. If he, if he sees a drill near me, he goes, you don't know how to use that. Put that away. <laughs> a man can live and learn. Listen, it, listen, I didn't know then what I know now. Now I'm handy. I can fix things. I can use all sorts of tools. I can do things, okay? Then I didn't know a drill had a forward and a reverse. I didn't know there was that button. I thought I literally broke his drill. I was like, oh, no, I'm fired. Here's the point. I could have said, you know what? I'm never going to touch a drill again. Mm -mm. Mm. Or I say, you know what? I'm going to be good. I'm going to become better at my trade. And so I'm going to learn and I'm going to learn how to use them. And I'm going to learn all different tips and ways of doing it. And so I'm telling you, when we pursue our life with excellence, 
And it's not just God. It's in everything. When we pursue God in excellence, here's the thing. You will pursue your job with excellence. You will pursue relationships with excellence. You will pursue friendships with excellence. You will study more excellent. It's amazing that when you focus on God, all these other things benefit as well. Me knowing Jesus made me a better husband and father, worker, co-worker, boss. And when we do that, God's kingdom multiplies through excellence. In the book of Acts, it would say that, the, that many were added to people daily. Could you imagine, first of all, you're having church daily. Some of you are like, what? Right? So having church daily. But then it said that daily people were being added to the church. Like they were literally meeting every day and, and like hundreds of people would show up. And then the next day, like hundreds more would show up. At times, thousands. Like, could you imagine, like, showing up? Like, you're, you know, you've all, I can pretty much guarantee, you know, I know who's here and who's not here by where they sit, okay? Uh, some of you had to move around as we've grown, and you're, like, probably, like, going, oh, that's my chair. Um, but the, here, here's, could you imagine showing up one day and walking in late, and, and, and there's, like, your chair is gone, and then you're, like, there's no chairs, Wait, there's people in, in, in the foyer and they're waiting to get it. Like, that's how it felt in New Testament Acts Church is that, that they would show up and they would gather together and because of the excellence that was in their life, people were being multiplied to the church and they were loving it and they were growing and they were living out God's purpose for them. Excellence is not perfection or arriving or having it all together. Excellence is growth through pursuing Jesus. Active faith movements and not settling. I want to read you two scriptures and we're going to do the last point, which is, Fairly short because it's, we've got to have fun. Um, but Galatians 6, 4 says this. Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them. To do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not being affirmed by others. Can I tell you that when you start to pursue God in excellence, you're not going to care what other people think. You're gonna, or let me put it this way. You'll think less of what people think about you. Because you're going to be pursuing God in excellence and you're going to let all that funnel out into your work and how you do things and how you live and how you interact with people and all of these pursuits. And you're going to go, I don't need, the, I don't need anybody else to say, God, you're doing such a great job. Why? Because I know that my God is telling me that. And I'm living for the, for the, the honor of a king. Ephesians 6, 7 says this, work with enthusiasm. How many of you are going tomorrow morning to work with enthusiasm? <laughs> you know, <laughs> some of you are like, I'm going to work dragging my feet. Can I encourage you in this? I know what it's like to be at a job where you don't feel like you're completely wanting to be there. But can I tell you that when you change your mindset to say it's not about the job and it's not about the people, it is about my purpose as a human being. And I'm going to pursue it with excellence. No matter what anybody else does or what anybody else says, I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability and I'm going to show God off through how I choose to work. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. If you can change who your boss is, to, that'll change your whole world. I'm not working for the chief of police. He's a great guy. I, when I go to my job tomorrow morning, I work for Jesus. I just happen to work at the police department. I just happen to be a detective. But I'm going to give everything I can to show off the goodness of God in every circumstance. One of the conversations that we've had recently, and, and, and I'll share 
as little as possible as I can. Um, but we had, we, uh, most of you have probably heard by now, we had a murder a couple of weeks ago here in Camden. So we've been working that, right? And um, to say that, you know, th- there's a challenge in who is the victim and who the suspects are and all that. And so talking with the person's mom who lost their life, knowing that, you know, the circumstances are a little bit fuzzy, a lot of people in the police department are like, oh, whatever, you know, like it's, that's where God shows up and says, this person still lost the loved one. And everybody in the department has done a really good job of handling this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, most police officers get jaded at some point. And, and I've been very thankful to, to watch some people that haven't been jaded in this scenario. And, 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 and being able, I've been the one talking with the, the, the victim's mom. Just letting her know, you know, despite whatever the outcome is of all this, I want you to know that we're sorry that you lost your son. You think that went a long way in, in her life? I do. My prayer is that, is that it does. That, that, that she knows that, that we are not judging by somebody's character. We're judging by the evidence that is taking place. And we're going to do everything we can to find justice. And you know what? Hey, at the end of the day, human lives are human lives. And we're sorry that it was lost. That's going above. That's pursuing excellence in my job. Why? Because I'm good? No, because God is good. And I want to follow after God. Excellence and faith go hand in hand because we give all of ourselves to being excellent in all that we do. Not perfection, excellence. Okay, last point. Last core value. We have fun. This is the one that I, I, I always love. I, uh, some of you know who Kemper Pyle is. When he first uh, came to one of our startup things, I said this core value. I said, we will be a church that has fun. He left that uh, startup, and we, we talked about this uh, uh, once they started coming to the church, and he said, he goes, you know, I left that startup party, and I said, church can't be fun. Church is reverent. It's holy. It's a, it, it, it's a place where you go to meet with God. Fun. He goes, and then, and then he showed up to the first service, and he realized, he goes, oh, there can be joy in the building. There can, be, there can be laughter in the building. You can have fun while being around other Christians. You should be able to smile. Listen, um, the Bible says that, that people know us by our love. If we've got sourpuss faces, how does that show that we love God or that we love other people? It doesn't. People should see our smiling faces. Some of you, you haven't told your face to smile in so long that you would have to try hard. You know, it takes less effort to smile than it does to frown. It takes one muscle to smile. It takes like 43 to frown. You don't think that God didn't design that? I do. I love Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart. In other words, laughter, joyfulness, happiness, that, that, that endorphin rush feeling of, 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 of goodness and joy in your life, it is good medicine. But a broken spirit, spirit, but spirit, saps a person's strength. How many know that? When you are sad or when you're frustrated or angry, how many get really tired really quickly? Isn't it interesting, though, the flip side of that is when you are happy and excited, it feels like you can go. Think about it. When you go on vacation, and even if you go all day, you're like, man, this is exciting and fun. Like, let's, let's not let the good times stop. But how many have ever been on a work day where it feels like it's never going to end? I had a coworker once say uh, a couple weeks ago, he goes, well, I think we put in 16 hours in eight hours. Yeah, it feels like that sometimes. But when you have joy in what you do, there's something inside of us. Did you know there are health benefits? There are health benefits 
to laughing and smiling and having joy in your life? Look, 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 look. Did you know that, that laughing is good for your heart? It literally helps your heart become stronger. It's crazy. I want to I show you uh, one of my favorite Christian comedians. I you know, don't know really what that means, but, um, but I want to, listen, I want to show you, these are the kind of things that I enjoy to sit and watch, and I want you to, to let's, let's just laugh together a little bit. Go ahead. Husbands, take note. choreography myself. Hey honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking cause I'm trying to watch the game? If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday I didn't ask you but I knew it'd be okay Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show I taped it over our old wedding video If you're a man who've done that A long and happy life There's all the pursuits to Solo Okay Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes. The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake. Your eyes look puffy, dear. Are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill. <laughs> You're a man who wants to live a long and happy life. that too. These are the things you don't say to You're a man who doesn't want to get killed with a knife. These are the things you don't say to So, listen, you just got to learn to laugh. And, and husbands, I hope you took note. Don't do any of that. You know, it's funny because living in California, you don't think about it. But then, like, when you move to Arkansas and you realize how big hunting is, and you're like, I bet you some of my guys have done that. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, it's, we just got to learn to have fun and laugh. Listen, some of the health benefits of laughter and cheerful disposition, you know that you have better immunity when you're happy? So if you don't want to get sick during the, the flu season, laugh a lot. Have fun. You know that 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 uh, being joyful relieves stress, and did you know that relieving stress can help depression? Did you know that it will help uh, being joyful and having a uh, an optimistic disposition and, and and laughing and smiling more will clear your mind. It will reduce blood pressure and will will help with. There's like 14 to 15 uh, health benefits just from smiling or laughing or having a positive disposition. God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy people. He wants you to enjoy church. That's why we do at the movies, because we want to give the story of Jesus in a unique way where people can have fun. That's why we, we do things like Super Bowl Sunday where we you know, do Jersey Day and, and, and we do some type of competition. By the way, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do this year. If you got suggestions, come let me know. Okay, I've heard cakes or cheesecakes or uh, pies was one that actually, but I don't do pies, so I'd have to do a cheesecake. But um, 
you know, maybe we'll do some type of dessert. Uh, I do, at some point I want to do a steak cook-off, but I got to figure out how we're going to do that and not lose people in the church of throwing meat at each other and saying, mine's better. Um, so that's why we do these things. That's why we serve together. That's why we have uh, fun on Sunday. That's why we, we have those Freedom Family Fridays during the summer. We want to get together and we want to have fun and we want to smile. We want to laugh and we want to enjoy what God has given us. I want to end with Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, uh, King Solomon was the wisest person ever to live. That's what the Bible says. In his wisdom, this is one of the things that he wrote down after living his life and, and, and figuring it all out. He says this, and I think this is great advice. So I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, to drink, and to enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. God wants you to enjoy this life. I tell people all the time that you, when you come to know Jesus and you truly pursue him with excellence, you will even enjoy fun more. There's something about getting on my motorcycle. I enjoy seeing God's nature and, and God's creation through that lens on a motorcycle. When we would go out on the boat with, with our friends back in California who had uh, uh, boats and we'd go wakeboarding all the time, there was nothing like standing behind a boat wakeboarding and just looking around and just being like, God designed this moment for me. Think about that the next time that, that you go do something, like just look around and go like, God designed this moment for you. He wanted you to enjoy it. The next car ride, the, the next coffee run, the next, <laughs> they, they know who I'm talking about. But, I mean, think about it. We, we, we could be like, well, it's just life. It's just this. we got to enjoy it. No, like God designed it for you. Let's enjoy it. You, you fishermen and you outdoor, uh, outdoorsmen, you know, I know it's like, you know, kind of, you know, running kind of male jokes like, oh, I get away from life. Da, 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 da. But God created that moment for you. Th think about this. God created fish. And, and, and then put them in a place where you'd have to catch them that way, knowing that somebody would go, this is really enjoyable. And it tastes good. Now, I don't think fish tastes good, but I've been told that that's because I just don't eat it right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just me. But the thing is this. You enjoy it. God created it for you to enjoy. And so why not? Why, why have we allowed this world to make everything so hard? I mean, it's like if I said, I like oranges. And, 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 and the way that this world takes it now is, so what you got against bananas? So you hate bananas, huh? I, I, didn't, I just said I like oranges. You don't think the enemy doesn't know what he's doing trying to sap the fun out of, of living? Sap the enjoyment out of life to where you literally just want to isolate yourself from people. Because God's nature is to draw people to him. And in order to do that, that means people draw each other to each other. When, when one of you is missing on Sunday, I want to let you know I miss you. I look around today and I'm glad, so thankful for all of you here. But I look at the people that are missing and I'm like, man, I really miss him. I miss Mr. Randy. He hasn't been here in a few weeks. By the way, he's doing well. Um, uh, he, he texted me. He was so bored this week. He said, T text me the songs. I'm going to play drums this week. I said, no, you're not. You just had hernia surgery, two hernia surgeries and a kidney taken out. You're not getting in that drum cage. 
I, I, I just kind of laid my foot down. I said, no. <laughs> he said, I've taken a couple of uh, drives. I, it hurts, but it's okay. And I'm like, no, just stay home and rest. He's going stir crazy. Blake, he's off at uh, guard this week. I, I can look around and I can think about the people that are missing. I go, man, I miss seeing their faces. Now, I love seeing yours. It's not, it's not a knock. But I just go, man, I, I, I really do love. I, listen, I don't say this just because we started the church and I'm the pastor here. I love this church. I love our people. I wouldn't want to do life without any of you. And I love when I get, we get to add more people and say, look at who came to the family dinner. Man, I, I just get excited. I want to look at life through an optimistic view and I want to enjoy life and I want to enjoy. I don't want to look at people and go, oh, they're going to do wrong here. They're going to do me dirty. Isn't that how, we, how we've been prone to think about people now? Is what do they want from me? Or what are they going to do to me? Instead of saying, hey, look, welcome in. And even if we have tough moments, even if we don't always see eye to eye, even if you, we, maybe, you, maybe I do you wrong or you do me wrong, the great thing is, is that we're going to be able to do life together and we're going to walk through this and we're going to have more good times than bad and we're going to enjoy it. We should have fun. We should laugh more. We should smile more. We should enjoy life. That's what God wants us to do. We only have one to live. Let's live it to the fullest. We're going to have fun and we're going to pursue excellence and we're going to show the world a good God, not just a religion. We're going to show this world a God that cares about people, that wants their heart, that wants them to have a purpose and a passion to pursue something real. That's our goal here. So these are our core values. It's who we are. And it's not just what we want the church to be. It's what I want. My prayer is as the pastor that every person attaches themselves to these 10 core values. If you need a refresher, you can go on our our, uh, website. All 10 of them are on there. Okay? You need to go back and listen to one of the messages. Go to to the website. Go to uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. Go to Spotify. You can find them there. I want us to live these out because I believe they're important. Next week, we're going to talk about working in the waiting. What God does in the middle of us waiting on his promises is very important. I want my marriage to be this. Okay. But what are we doing in the waiting period between God's promise and God's fulfillment? God, I want to have a better job. I want to be a better this. Okay, well, what do we do in the middle of the waiting period from God's promise to his fulfillment? Each each and every one of us have seasons of life like that. And I want to give you some hope and I want to give you some encouragement and, and some tools that we can hold on to that we see throughout the Bible of what God is doing, working in the waiting. We love you guys. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I just thank you so much for our people. God, I thank you for the people that are out there that are our people that they don't even know they're our people yet, but they will be one day. Father, I pray that if we can just learn one little thing, one little thing in all of this, maybe one little statement changed and challenged us. I pray, Jesus, that we would run with it this week, that this week we would try to be 1% better than we were last week. 1% closer to you, 1% more godlier than we were that we would show the world your goodness, your kindness, and your love. That, God, that we would pursue excellence in our own life, in our personal relationship with you, in our workplaces, in our relationships. God, we would pursue excellence. And, God, I pray 
that we would have fun. I pray laughter over people. God, I pray the spirit of joy into people's lives. That God, we would stop looking for the negative. We would stop looking for the shoe to drop. We would stop looking for the worst in people. And that God, that we would see this world the way that you see it through such a lens of love and of purpose. And that God, that we would enjoy, like King Solomon says, that we would enjoy living this life. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you for those that give financially to this church. They help pay the bills, but even more so, they help push your kingdom into this world through serve days and through ministries. We love you, Father. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 